1: Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone an opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, We'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and other listening platforms. And the best is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program. Is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join.
0: Blue It's exciting to win money. Is there anything you don't gamble? Uh, not really. Gambling guys, Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambler's not your problem. You're just an idiot.
1: And we welcome you in to Full Slate a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. Follow me on Gambling Twitter at UndercoverGreg. NFL Week 17, the first Sunday of 2021. We still record in 2020 as we bring on our co-host and producer, Alex Uplinger. Follow him at Alex underscore up seven and running our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate pod. Alex, we made it. 2021, now just hours away. How you doing?
2: <laughs> I'm doing good, buddy. It's a, it's a bittersweet week, but we'll have uh... – some awesome playoff games next week. How was your birthday?
1: Yeah, no, I had a good birthday, a little late present there, sweeping all my picks on December the 30th. I uh, got a good birthday dinner. I, I, You know, I've never picked your brand. I know you're from the D.C. area, so uh, or living in the D.C. area now, so I'm sure maybe you've had some Baltimore seafood. I got a, uh, a lobster roll uh, for my birthday out at Chickie's and Pete's, and it was amazing. Oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah this I'm is all a- about the seafood. I feel like it's one of those foods where I don't, whether it's crabs or lobster or shrimp, I just don't eat it enough. And every time I eat it, I love it.
2: Always enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Now this area is
1: big uh, crab cakes. Okay, that's yeah, what, I that's think what's big here. Yeah. So, uh, as I said, NFL Week 17. I gotta say, it is. You mentioned it, kind of a, a rough week. I feel like that first week in January is just brutal, right? I mean, you're you're back after the holidays, and you got two months of just dog days of winter. So, thankfully, we still have the NFL to take us to at least the early parts of February.
2: Yeah, and this year we're going to be getting three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday for the first round of the playoffs, so that'll be nice.
1: which obviously invites a whole bunch of scenarios that we're going to talk about now as we'll get into the NFL Week 17 rotation. We'll run through every game, not a ton of plays. I will just say, Alex, I think from a gambler's standpoint, Week 17 can be a lot of fun. We talked about it before we hopped on because there's, there's always those opportunities if the full season wagers, whether they are win totals or to win a division bet, those, if those line up in your favor, you can set up to perhaps catch a middle Uh, So there's always some interesting hedging opportunities, middle opportunities, double down opportunities, whatever it may be, come week 17.
2: Yeah, that's a great point to mention. It's a good way to kind of hedge your futures. Surprisingly, all my win totals are actually settled already.
1: Okay. How do you make out with those?
2: So Packers under, that was a big loss. But Bill's over. Uh, Washington football team over, Bills to win the division, and then I guess it's not quite settled, but Giants under six will either be a win or a push at worst.
1: Okay, all right, and that is actually the first game into the rotation that we'll get to in a minute, but I just want to start with one kind of gambling PSA that I like to kind of get out there that I feel like is very relevant for NFL Week 17, and I'm, we're going to be talking about this a lot come February you know, on the college basketball pod when we start getting into you know bubble teams. Just because you have to win does not make the teams more likely to win or, in our industry, cover. It actually makes it harder. The Action Network had a good article up, uh, according to their Action Labs data, teams that need to win uh, in Week 17 to get into the playoffs Have gone 15 and 23 in the last 38 tries against the spread when playing teams with zero incentive. So it's just something that I it pisses me off when I hear people say, "Oh, I got to take this team because they have to win." Well, we all know that, and clearly the books do too. And sometimes, and we're gonna get into it, you got to plug your nose on some of these underdogs that don't have much of a reason to play. uh, And I'll further this even more, the same article in action says that um, if the favorites are of more than a touchdown in a must-win scenario facing a team with no incentive, those favorites are 9-19 in the last 28 tries against the spread. So just something I wanted to get off my chest early on here. Yeah,
2: I saw that too. Shout out Stucky of the Action Network. That was a really interesting read. It's not that big of a sample size, but it's definitely something to consider. Like you said, these – these teams aren't going to just lay over. They're still professional football teams. You saw that impassioned speech by J.J. Watt. Right. You know, he right. they still take this very seriously despite being out of it and having nothing to play for. They're still going to play for pride right. and, a, and a game check and maybe a job next year. Who and
1: obviously, it? even now that Trevor Lawrence takes is over, Jacksonville has secured the number one pick. But even then, I think, as we saw with the Jets, You know, Frank Gore is a seasoned veteran, and and Sam Darnold probably earned himself. I mean, we'll see what the Jets do in the offseason, but Sam Darnold may well have earned himself another season there in East Rutherford with the Jets. So the players wearing the uniforms try. That's all I'm saying.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You don't see teams tank, really. It's pretty impossible to tank with such large teams.
1: So let's get into it. Uh, you mentioned we're going to start in uh, East Rutherford, actually, with the NFC team that occupies MetLife Stadium, and that being the New York Giants hosting the Dallas Cowboys. We're seeing Dallas as a short-road favorite of one, total in this game of 44.5. Um, Alex, I know that you said your win total is Giants under?
2: Yeah, under six. So, so that well.
1: you won't lose. You'll at least put right. the Giants win. But I got to say, I don't know about you, but I think Dallas – has to be one of the more public sides of the NFL this week because people are going to see that short line. They just need to win. People are going to see the Cowboys having played well of late. And the, the weapons, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, tore up my Eagles last week. And it, it just seems like there's a little bit of late momentum here for the Cowboys. And we all know that when they're playing well, America's team – They can be a very public team in the gambling space. I think I could only look to the Giants here just based off that Giants defense that has been pretty good most of the year um, under uh, Patrick Graham, who is a name that I think we'll probably start hearing in NFL head coaching interviews coming up in the coming weeks to start 2021. I think I would look to – it's the only side I could look to. If you remember when these teams played first, it was the game that Dak Prescott got hurt in, and the Giants still managed to nearly take that game outright. Right, lost by a field goal in the closing seconds at Jerry World. Uh, in 37-34, I believe, was the final for Dallas. I would not expect Andy Dalton to be able to put up as many points on the road uh, in a big spot. Yes, you could maybe argue, given this late surge from the Cowboys and Andy Dalton, could Andy Dalton be auditioning somewhere? Whether it you know That's not signed, whether it's Dallas or, or somewhere else, perhaps. But the Giants are the only way I could look here. Uh, I probably am going to stay away, though.
2: Yeah, currently on the action network, the Cowboys are getting 68% of bets and 87% of money, so it's definitely going to end up being one of the more public sides. I would only look to the Giants here as well. This just feels like a game that the Cowboys blow. They're just playing so well and a must-win game. I feel like they're just going to come out and lay an egg against a pretty strong Giants defense. Uh, Daniel Jones should be back. I don't know if that's or worse, necessarily. I just would not run to back the Cowboys here in this spot.
1: Well, let's go to the other team that plays at MetLife Stadium, and they are on the road, and it is the team that we mentioned just before we started running through the rotation, and that's the New York Jets traveling to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots. We're seeing New England as a short home favorite of three, total of just thirty-nine and a half. Obviously, the Jets, the red-hot Jets, have won back-to-back games, um, and <laughs>
2: Never you know, thought you'd be saying that this season.
1: It's crazy to say, um, and I don't know that I will I will not have anything involved in this game because I, I just, I don't know where everybody's heads are at. I mean, the Jets have won two in a row, so, you know, they've avoided the 0-16, and, and, you know, I, I don't really know, as I said, like, what are they playing for? I mean, obviously nothing, And and the same thing can be said for New England. Like, sometimes with these teams that don't have playoff implications, you might look at, A quarterback, like I mentioned with Dalton, playing first, auditioning, and maybe that's the case for Cam, but I just think New England is going to move on. They took a flyer on Cam. It was a team-friendly one-year deal, and it really didn't work out. It looked good early on, and I was feeling good about my over nine wins, and that obviously went to shit really fast. Uh, So I just think the Patriots are set to move on at the quarterback position. Saw some interesting stuff on Twitter this week about, you know, Matt Stafford possibly landing there. Um, You know, I think – And they're going to be close enough in the draft if they want to look at quarterbacks there. Probably not going to be Jared Stidham moving forward because as bad as Cam looked at times this year, Stidham really couldn't get himself in there for an extended look. So I don't know what's going on with the quarterback position, but I just don't think even if Cam goes out and plays well, it's the Jets. So I can't look at that as being like a motivational factor here for New England. They had all those opt-outs on defense, you know, I know Belichick is throwing the phone, and it looks like he still wants to win. and He's still mad, but I don't think I can back New England here either. I don't have
2: much at all on this game. I think the only way you can look is the Jets, which is insane to say. But <laughs> I also don't think I can bet on the Jets to win three straight games. But Cam Newton looks like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, I would probably put more faith in Dwayne Haskins than. <laughs> Cam Newton right now. I, I just, I can't see Cam Newton being on an NFL roster. House,
1: I do have to wonder, like, even forget the Jets win against the Rams. Those look-ahead lines always come out before the week prior's games have been played. So this is before the Jets beat the Browns and before the Patriots got clobbered in primetime by Buffalo. Like, what do we think? I don't know off the top of my head, but, like, I wonder how much of a move this was from the look ahead to now. Just something to speculate. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. (laughs) I mean, three has to be like the shortest underdog role for the Jets, maybe all season.
2: Absolutely.
1: You know, So just something to think about, but all the more reason, in my opinion, to stay away from this one. Let's go to another game uh, that also won't feature any implications as far as the postseason is concerned. It's the Minnesota Vikings laying seven on the highway against the Detroit Lions, total in the game of 54. Obviously, neither team's defense has been very good at all this season. Minnesota, one of the bigger disappointments of the NFL season in 2020 in Detroit, Really never got off the ground, ended up firing Matt Patricia, and is in a, another reboot uh, there in the Motor City. Uh, you know, you could look, emotional play here. Dalvin Cook's father just passed away, and certainly thoughts and prayers with him. And he will not play, though, for the Purple People leaders. The Lions just got obliterated with no coaches uh, on that Saturday afternoon game against Tampa. It just feels like, you know, they're packing it in, and, and they're ready to – to move on and turn the page in their franchise you know textbook, uh, so I, I don't know that I really want anything here. I mean maybe if it was a shorter line I might be a little more interested in Minnesota, as I said, that emotional angle I think is a little interesting, but seven's a lot for a Minnesota team that I mean gosh, I know it was the Saints, but their defense couldn't stop a lick on Christmas Day last week last week.
2: Minnesota still has a bunch of weapons in the passing game and Stafford's banged up. I'm sure he'll go. We've seen him
1: playing through injuries. Maybe maybe if we're looking for an angle here, like do we look at some Justin Jefferson props? Do they
2: try
1: to get him the offensive rookie of the year?
2: Yeah, I like that angle. I I think that would be a way to look. If you really want action on this game, I think player props are really the only way to go. The total feels a little high, but like you said, both these defenses have been terrible. I think Justin Jefferson maybe – Anytime touchdown could be a good look, depending on what that number's at.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's probably, uh, again, we want to try and target Justin Jefferson and some props. Again, if you're really thirsty for a play here. Fortunately, this is not a standalone game like the Lions-Bucks game was last week. So that thirst always subsides a little bit when you've got a bunch of other games on the menu. <laughs> On that Sunday, one of those other games, again, one that doesn't have major implications, but we will see the home team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, seven seven and a half point chalk. It looks like compete and try and win the game to improve their seeding against the Atlanta Falcons. Total of fifty and a half. And you know, Alex, I think uh, on one hand we look at the Atlanta Falcons, another team that's heading into uh, you know a transitional phase in their franchise. Raheem Morris got them going in his early games as the interim head coach. But I think the last couple of weeks really sealed his fate, being unable to find that signature win against Tampa at home, letting a big lead get away. And they were right with the Chiefs the whole time, and they couldn't get the win. I think even if Atlanta is to pull an upset here that they will move on and Morris won't be the coach. So having said that, you know I'm not really sure there's much that excites me about the dog here in Atlanta. And then Tampa, as we said, if they win – because they got that Rams loss last week out in the Pacific Northwest Rams losing to Seattle, all of a sudden now Tampa can get that five seed, which is very important uh, for the wild cards in the NFC because that means you get a trip to take on the lowly NFC East champion. I know we did see Tampa struggle with the Giants on Monday Night Football earlier this year, uh, but nonetheless, if you're any of those wild cards, you'd much rather go to Dallas, Washington, or New York, then have to go to Seattle, New Orleans, or Green Bay. So I think there's a good deal of motivation here for Tampa. It's the only way I could look if I was playing the game.
2: Yeah, I can't get there with either of these teams. I I do like the motivation angle. I, that's probably the best seed in the NFC to have by far. So you know they'll come out and play everyone. But at seven and a half, that back door is always open, and Matt Ryan's not going to roll over. They're going to be – Maybe playing their best. They're just seven and a half, you get the touchdown on the hook. I feel like the back door is always there in garbage well, it, time.
1: i a little bit, not even from a gambling angle, but I'm just curious. Atlanta, like there have been some little bit of speculation about maybe them looking for an heir apparent to Matt Ryan. Uh, we think that kind of creeps into Ryan's mind a little bit, and he could have a nice game here.
2: I could see that being extra motivated. This is essentially an audition for for next year
1: for him and maybe it it would also be the type of team if they did look for a quarterback they'd look for more of a developmental guy and still go with ryan as their primary starter for 2021
2: yeah that's a good point you bring in someone to develop under him i mean there's very few quarterbacks i'd want to learn from over matt ryan and he's a great veteran good leader i also saw some speculation that Julio might be a trade piece in the offseason.
1: So, again, just kind of grasping for straws here at some of these underdogs because as we always, as I mentioned in the beginning, it is going to be, and and we'll get to some of these plays, where it is just going to be total plug your nose and hang on. But you do have to try and find your way to some of them because, like I said, these numbers can be pretty inflated. One number that's a little weird for obvious reasons is the LA Chargers traveling to Kansas City to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Chargers are three and a half point road chalk at Arrowhead Stadium. Of course, the Chiefs sitting everyone. They have clinched the number one seed, so they will their guys will get two weeks rest with this week and then the bye week before they play their first game in the AFC playoffs as they look to defend their title. Alex, anything you can look to here? I mean, I just feel like games like this are so hard to handicap because. When you know that a quarterback as valuable as Patrick Mahomes isn't going to be out there, I wonder about the impact that that has on the rest of the team. We just mentioned Justin Jefferson. Maybe the Vikings looking to get him involved. I think maybe you could say the same about the Chargers trying to make one last statement for Justin Herbert for his angle of the Rookie of the Year case. Other than that, though, uh, again, this is a game that I don't have a lot of interest in wagering on.
2: No, it's impossible to back an Anthony Lynn coach team at three in the hook. But this number (laughs) is curious because the only uh, starter that they've officially announced resting is Mahomes. So is he really worth double digits to the line? I I would think if he's playing this would be like Chiefs 10 and now it's three and a half to the Chargers. Or do you think Vegas is factoring in that if Mahomes isn't going, they're probably going to sit all sorts of guys last minute. I think that's
1: probably what they're factory in. One yeah. thing I would look at, though, and it is something to monitor as far as the other skill guys, we know that Kansas City, like, the one kind of blemish, and or chink in the armor, so to speak, has been the lack of a run game. Like, maybe this is where they just say, okay, Chad Henney, like, you're going to hand the ball off 30 times, and we're going to try and to you know get a run game going because if they have that, then the offense is going to be unstoppable in the playoffs.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Maybe they just treat this like a, a glorified scrimmage where they're trying things out in the run game, and you see Bell still play because doesn't look like Hilaire is going to go anytime soon, right? So maybe they'll try to get right Bell going and work so, on. So maybe that could time. lead
1: to an under. Yeah. Just there, again, uh, I won't really have much action on this one. Uh, let's move on and go to – actually, the game we're going to get to is actually, as I see in the late window, so we'll table the Jacksonville Indy game until after the break. Uh, but I want to get to two more games that we're both interested in. Uh, and let's go ahead and start in uh, on Lake Erie, where we have the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to – Cleveland, and this game has now come off the board because there are some COVID concerns surrounding the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, or excuse me, the Cleveland Browns, and uh, for that reason, uh, it doesn't look like it's up at the moment. But um, having said that, I grabbed ten earlier in the week with Pittsburgh, and I got to say, Alex, I this I know you're a Steelers guy. I, I actually kind of am liking this because I know you you, you were paying attention to the announcements. It seems like it's just going to be Ben that's sitting, and they're going to be playing those young skill guys. Uh, And remember, the backup to Ben is Mason Rudolph, who had that altercation last year with Miles Garrett. So there's definitely, as far as the, you know, playoff team sitting guys is concerned, this is one of the more intriguing ones. And honestly, like, Browns, Baker Mayfield. I hate to just sound all narrative y and just saying the same stuff about the same teams that we know them to be. The Browns feel like one of the teams that could choke this week. And I think that Rudolph and the guys that are out there for the Steelers are going to want to knock out the Browns uh, because, you know, there were a lot of players. Miles Garrett started yapping on Twitter when the door looked open for the division. Like, that win last week for the Steelers, I think, really did a lot for their locker room coming back against the Colts. I'm not saying they're all the way back to the way they looked the first half of the year and they're a Super Bowl contender. uh, But I think the Steelers is absolutely the only side I can look to. I took 10. I'm feeling good about it. Don't trust the Browns. Think the Steelers are going to still play hard. And and I think Rudolph really wants it, too. So I like Pittsburgh.
2: The Mason-Rudolph revenge game. There you go. Just massive. But I'm, I'm a little nervous. I got 10 as well. I just saw today though that Pouncy, J.J. Watt, and Cam Hayward—they're all going to be out resting. But the, T.J. Yeah, T.J. Watt—he's—he's going to be resting. Um, but the Browns, their COVID concerns are are huge. I mean, the, their whole defense is decimated. It looks it's like Malcolm. Browns
1: secondary that has gotten
2: torched. And they yeah, they're not good to start. They
0: right they allowed two hundred
2: forty-three point five passing yards per game, which is twentieth in the NFL, and now they're going to be down. Their best corner in Denzel Ward. It'd be without safeties Andrew Sandejo and Carl Joseph, and it looks like linebacker Malcolm Smith is also out. These guys have all been declared out with COVID. I think we're probably going to see even more. Their facility is currently shut down. They're doing all that contact tracing, and I think the NFL is just going to going to make them run out there and still play. <laughs> they can't they can't push this game unless they're going to push. Right, all the playoffs back an entire week, which I don't see. If they built in a a week eighteen, they could easily just move these. Well, we're already at week
1: here, so I don't think. Right.
2: That's- right, and I'm saying with their with their reluctancy to even build that in before the season, they're obviously not going to push a week seventeen game to to move all the playoffs back. So I think the Browns are gonna. Yeah, I think they're going to get screwed here. Their their defense is already bad They've Several starters out. It
1: looks like the receivers are back, but yeah, again, they're not a, playing defense.
2: That's a positive, right? This could be a could be a possible overgame, but I also right. have very little faith in Mason Rudolph. I've, I've watched him play many times you know, since <laughs> last true. season when Ben was out most of the year. Well, I'm still going to take the points. The 10 is just it's too big of a number. These are all professionals. Listen, so. Alex,
1: I'm just saying if you're looking for a quarterback and you want to take that Carson Wentz contract off our hands.
2: <laughs> I would rather them sign Dwayne Haskins than bring in Carson
1: Wentz. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah. on that note, let's go. And go to uh Southwest Ohio, we're going to stay in the the AFC North. The Cincinnati Bengals are a two-touchdown underdog, a little less than that, 13. The Ravens are laying on the road, total of 44 here. Alex, I'll be honest, I got burned. My best bet last week was the Texans minus the points against Cincinnati. I was kind of feeling the Bengals laying down on a short week after that Monday night win against the Steelers. And just the opposite, it was a different quarterback, too. It was... Finley against the Steelers, and it was Brandon Allen against Houston, and um, you know, the Bengals end up winning the game against the Texans, and um, you know, now all of a sudden, uh, the Bengals have won back-to-back games, so I can't explain that, like, I feel like they should be locking themselves into, now their, their draft positioning is a little uh, more in flux, uh, but We talked about the Ravens before, and especially on the road, they're they're pretty good in this role where they're double digit favorite. They get ahead, and and Lamar just is able to run a lot. And you know, we've seen the recipe against Baltimore is you know get them behind, keep Lamar in the pocket, you can beat them. I don't really trust Cincinnati to do that, but given the way the Bengals have played, I don't want to give thirteen to back Baltimore either.
2: Nah, this is a tough spot. I can't really back any team here. Bengals just continue to shock me. I, I thought they were going to roll over against the Steelers, and then I'm with you. Last week, I I would have went Texans if anything, but I think that speaks to how bad that Texans defense is, especially without Roby from the PED suspension. This is still a divisional right. game. Uh, it's a must-win for the Ravens though, if they want to have any playoff hopes. I think they're going to go all out. I could definitely see them covering this large number. I, I don't think I'm going to get there, but Ravens are 5-0 and against the spread their last five games. They're covering by an average of 6.6 points per game. I could easily see them, them get this done, but I'm not running to take them.
1: Let's, before we hit our break, get to another game in the early window. It's the Tennessee Titans traveling to Houston to take on the Houston Texans. Tennessee, with a win, will clinch the, a- the AFC South and potentially could fall all the way out of the playoff picture with a loss. Uh, it looks like this is another game that some books have taken off the board right now, and I'm not entirely sure why. But uh, it does appear as if uh, there are some books hanging numbers here, and it is limited marketplace. I'm guessing seven and a half. Tennessee on the road. I got this game uh, earlier uh, today, a total of 56. This is going to be one of my things I talked about at week 17, opportunities to find middles. And I'm going to do it here with the Tech, the Texans plus the seven and a half. I have a Tennessee to win the AFC South ticket. That's at plus 170. So I'm not even paying juice on the futures ticket. And I can at the very least, uh, cancel out that futures ticket if the Texans are to win the game outright. But I got a pretty nice middle here of seven and a half points. And, hey, J.J. Watt is a senior guy in that locker room, right? I think when he speaks, the rest of the guys listen. I would not be surprised if Houston comes with a good effort uh, and at least tries to knock their division rival out of the playoffs. Uh, Having said that, you know, what do we know about Houston, right? They're a mess against the run, and this could be vintage December Derrick Henry You know, 200 rushing yards, Titans win like 41-20 or something. Uh, But I I do think that the – I'll I'll just say this. The Texans side to me was not so hideous where I just said I can't even consider the middle. I could see them playing hard enough where I could hit this middle. So I'm going to take a chance on the Texans plus 7.5 on the futures ticket for the Titans to win the AFC South.
2: I think that's a really smart middle on your part. It's a it's a really great tool to use. where people should consider that. I can't really get behind the Texans though. Their run defense is it's horrible. It's been really bad. It's been even worse over the last three. They've given up 155 yards per game on the ground, and through the season they're giving up 151. And Derrick Henry, he needs 203. Er, yeah, he needs 203 yards. To get to 2,000, I, I'm sure they'll be trying to get that milestone and just just run him into the ground. I could see him, yeah, running for 200-some yards in this game. I think a good play here would be to just look to Derrick Henry's rushing yards over no matter the number. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: gosh, I was going to say, can the books even protect themselves there? Yeah,
2: what do you, what do you think that could be? Because if they hang like 140, that's really high. But I don't even know if that's enough.
1: Oh, gosh, you know. And even when you said that, like 140, like my jaw dropped a little. Like it could really get that high. I mean, I feel like normally we don't see rushing props above 100. Yeah, I'm curious. But you're right. The circumstances, it's the same thing as the point spreads being a little inflated week 17. The, the props, I mean, people know these things are out there.
2: Yeah, and I think a milestone like, like 2,000 yards is really hard to come by it. I can see them just handing the ball off like 30 times. Right. Maybe a good a good look also would be, if you can get this, not all books offered, but rushing attempts over. Right. I know last week it was like 20-some, 20 22 or something. He had 23 against the Packers, and that was the game was kind of out of hand from the start, and they still were still pounding the ball in the snow. I could see that being a good play as well.
1: Anything so, Derrick Henry
2: would be a good look against this rush defense
1: certainly expecting derrick henry to do his thing against the texans as i said i'm going to take a shot on the middle but hey even if the titans roll then i'm profitable getting the plus price at plus 170 basically have it on the money line here uh as a seven and a half point favorite so that's always uh nice to have in your back pocket on that future's ticket to win the division let's take a break we'll come back and run through the rest of the nfl week 17 rotation on the other side the NBA is back in action and football is heading into the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season-opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Well, it is over now. By the time you listen in 2021, businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring, you only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria, and you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the United States are visiting Indeed each month, according to ComScore's. Total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than three million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is calling our is offering our listeners a free seventy five dollar credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free seventy-five dollar credit at Indeed.com slash Bluewire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. And on that note, we bring you back into NFL Week 17 here on Full Slate. My name is Greg Frank. Find all of my picks at UndercoverGreg on Twitter. Joined by our podcast producer and co-host Alex Uplinger at Full underscore Slate underscore Pod. He manages that podcast Twitter and at Alex underscore Up7 on his personal account. Let's keep things moving. Just talked about one AFC South game. We're going to talk about another now. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars catching two touchdowns at Indianapolis against the Colts. Total of 49 and a half. Indy needing a win, and they need somebody to lose, whether it's Tennessee, Baltimore, Miami, or uh, who am I missing? Uh, Alex, help me out. Oh, Cleveland uh, would be the other team yeah. that Indy could jump. They just need one of those four to lose. Granted, all four of them are pretty hefty favorites. But Indy is the biggest favorite on the board in Week 17. And I got to say, uh, it, this is just blindly fading Phillip Rivers here as a big favorite. Like, no thank you. I'm going to plug my nose and take Jacksonville. I know I got burned by him last week. I thought it was stupid that the Bears were touchdown, touchdown and a hook. Eight-point shock, depending on where you're On the road, kind of feeling the same way here just in terms of the Colts, we, we've seen in the second half of the year, Jonathan Taylor start to get going more. Yes, could he run all over the Jags? Perhaps, but I think also if they're running the ball more, that might decrease the possessions. They might have some longer scoring drives, which, might, which makes it harder to cover this kind of a number. And let's also talk about Jacksonville now. They got the number one pick. That's secured. And they have lost 14 games in a row. Okay, they've won their opener all the way back in September against this very team, the Indianapolis Colts. So I think this is a Jags team that's coming in confident in a weird sense, knowing that this is their one team that they beat. And on top of that, they've lost 14 in a row. I don't care how bad you are. I don't care who's on your roster. I'd like to think that there's going to be uh, a lot of buy-in from Jacksonville this week. I'm just not wanting to go into, and they probably are going to lose the game anyway, but, Ending the season, having lost 15 in a row, I mean, that's got to piss anybody off. So I think Jacksonville is going to play hard enough to stay inside this big number. Phillip Rivers, I just think he's a glorified game manager. I can't give this many points with Indy here, despite the fact that they need to win. This is one of those spots where I do think as much as it is kind of a plug-your-nose spot with the Jags. And you mentioned it before we hopped on. It doesn't look like James Robinson is going to go for Jacksonville. Uh, In the backfield, he's been a nice revelation for them. I just think that this is a a tax that you're paying here with Indy that I will not pay. I'll take Jacksonville.
2: In no world should Phillip Rivers be this big of a favorite. I I don't care who you're playing. I just – there's no way I would back Indy in this spot. Their defense hasn't been very good either this season, especially in the passing game. The last three games they've given up 340 yards in the air per game. So no James Robinson, that would be my biggest worry, but I think the Jags have enough weapons in the passing game to air it out and beat this indie secondary. I think they can keep it close. This is just way too big of a number. I would would go Jacksonville, if anything.
1: Well, let's go to the NFC North now, where we have a big game in the Windy City, the Green Bay Packers looking to lock up that top seed. They don't even need to worry about the Saints. The Packers win, and they will be the top seed in the NFC playoff picture. They are a a five-and-a-half-point road favorite here against the Chicago Bears. Of course, the Bears need a victory to get into the playoffs. Uh, So this is one of the more intriguing games on the Week 17 card. And, of course, we know that, uh, you know, this is one of the better rivalries historically in the National Football League. A total of 51, by the way, which I think is interesting because we've seen the Bears' offense uh, really actually look good. And uh, it's crazy to say that about the Chicago Bears, uh, given uh, we just expect their offense to be so anemic. Uh, and this is going to be another opportunity where I, I, I am intrigued enough by the Bears side to where I will try for a middle because now this is a different middle it's not like the Titans one where I had to win the division therefore I had a plus price and I can't lose any money there because the worst that happens there is I come out even I'm paying juice here to go under eight and a half on the Chicago Bears win total uh so there you know if I I'm going to take the Bears plus the points, and if they happen to win the game outright, then I'm still going to end up down a little bit just on the juice that I would be paying on that Bears under eight and a half wins because they come in at eight and seven. But I think, hey, rivalry game, Bears offense starting to show signs of life really for the last month or so. David Montgomery, go back a couple weeks ago, he really ran well against the Vikings, We know that the Green Bay defense can be susceptible on the ground, even though Derrick Henry really never got going last week because Tennessee was behind in the game. Maybe if if you're interested in the game and you don't have any win total interest like I do, maybe you look first half because it's Chicago. You would think they're going to want to try and establish that ground game and get that Green Bay run defense on its heels, keep Rodgers on the sideline. That needs to start right out of the gate. It didn't happen for Tennessee, and they were chasing the game against Rodgers and company last week. You can't do that against the Packers and have much success. And matter of fact, that's what happened to Chicago on Sunday Night Football about five, six weeks ago, just after Thanksgiving at Lambeau Field, and the Packers ended up blowing out the Bears. So I think that Chicago, the dog could be live here. At least it's enough for me to consider going with the Bears plus the points and hope that the game lands, Green Bay winning by one through five, and I cash my Bears spread ticket this week, and the Bears under eight and a half wins.
2: I'm with you. This is just a situational spot. You get the home underdog playing for their playoff life. And I think the Bears will be able to control the game on the ground. Packers, they're not the best rushing defense by by far. Um, they've been better, but they held Derrick Henry actually under 100 yards. He had 98 last week, but that game was kind of out of hand. Montgomery's been playing really well. I'd hate to back Trubisky, but he's actually been playing a lot better over the past couple of weeks. Enough that the Bears are actually considering signing in. We
1: expect him to be their starting quarterback opening week twenty twenty
2: one. It would not surprise me at all. I've I've seen some rumors circulating that they're considering giving him a contract again. Maybe if it's on the cheap, but you also still have Foles on the roster and Trubisky, I don't trust at all, but this is more so just a situational spot. You get the home dog, and I really like what I've seen from Montgomery in the rushing game recently, so I, I think they can keep it close in a gritty win with their defense. Maybe we we'll win the game outright, but I like the six, so I'm going to take that.
1: Let's keep things moving and go to the NFC South, where we have the New Orleans Saints a round of touchdown favorite, 6.5 it looks like, in Charlotte against the Carolina Panthers. Total in this game of 47.5. New Orleans needs a win and some help to get to the number one seed in the NFC. Of course, they have a head-to-head loss with the Packers, so they're one game behind the Packers, but they can still get that top seed if we happen to have a three-way tie for that top seed between New Orleans, Seattle, and Green Bay. It looks like the Saints would get that top seed under that scenario. So uh, New Orleans and Seattle both at 11-4, and four, Green Bay at 12-3. and three. That's the path for New Orleans to get a number one seed. They need everybody to be 12-4. and four. Um, And so obviously we're going to see New Orleans playing really hard here. But if you've listened to this podcast, if you've just been gambling the last Three, four seasons in the NFL, you know that Teddy Bridgewater covers spreads as a hefty underdog. This is just what he does. Even Matt Rule, let's give a golf clap to him. In week 15, he runs the cover play and kicks the field goal against the Packers at Lambeau Field on a Saturday night. On first down, nonetheless, when they're down 11 <laughs> with two minutes left and the pa- the Panthers cover the eight-and-a-half, nine-point line, losing by eight.
2: So, what a move. I love that move. I loved it. It I was loved, one of
1: my favorite things of the season.
2: Especially because we were both on the Panthers, obviously. But I love cutting it to a one-possession game, especially hey,
1: with – Tell me uh, – I- I it right it. Like, Why don't more teams do this? Like, you get the one – and I think he did that in front of the two-minute warning. He had at least one timeout. Like, it just feels like the better play to give yourself a chance, get some points on the board in front of that two-minute warning.
2: Right, because what's a touchdown by you there? It's still a one-possession game, and then you you ate all the clock up trying to score a touchdown. And you might, and not even, the you might, might run the clock and, and then ultimately kick a field goal anyways, and then you ran a minute off the clock trying to score.
1: Like I was saying, we, we saw the Panthers last week go to Washington and put the division party, so to speak, on hold for the football team. So I think the Panthers are still playing hard here, and that's why – I don't think that it's as simple as, well, you know, I don't think any of these games are as simple as, well, the team with playoff hopes needs the win and the other team's out of it, so you take the the chalk. Um, I I have Panthers under six wins. It's not a game that I'm going to be looking to take the middle on because I do think that, you know, New Orleans, we just saw them stick it to the Vikings last week. I think that they're, you know, really rounding into form after that Eagles loss. They, They. Play the Chiefs right down to the wire, and then then they blow out the Vikings. So I think that the 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 Saints are certainly hitting their stride here, Uh, and so I do think that you know I'm less intrigued by this dog as I am some of the others where I could go for a middle. I think I'll just sit on my Panthers under six wins ticket and hope that New Orleans gets the W.
2: I wouldn't be surprised at all here if the Saints ultimately cover. They're they're coming out going for the one seed, like you said, but. You just have to blindly play Teddy Bridgewater to cover. In his career, he's thirty-six and thirteen against the spread, and then he's twenty-four and five against the spread as an underdog. The guy just keeps games close, no matter what, no matter what the team, no matter the situation. They always he always just seems to cover. Their because he can
1: move three. the ball enough and end up scoring 24, 28 points, which is always going to be off to cover.
2: Exactly. He's he's mobile enough to make some plays when it breaks down, and he. Can throw the ball. They have enough weapons in the passing game. Obviously, they miss McCaffrey, but I don't think it's as big of a loss when, when you have Bridgewater back there. He plays really well in this role. He's 8-3 as a underdog this season against the spread. And I'm just going to take the points and go with another Teddy cover.
1: Hey, I'm never going to argue with that. Let's move on and go to the NFC West where we have the Seattle Seahawks making the trip to the Bay Area to take on – actually, no, I guess it's another game in Arizona to take on the uh, 49ers. Uh, We're seeing Seattle uh, laying six on the hook on the road, total of 46 in this game. Um, Again, San Francisco's done. They've been festered with injuries this year. But I fell for this trap last week, thinking that San Francisco was packing it in. Granted, the Cardinals aren't the Seahawks, but something about Kyle Shanahan, you know, I don't think he's interested in laying down, and we saw that last week. C.J. Beathard manages to get a victory in the desert against the Cardinals. Having said that, I still don't want San Francisco here. You know, it's it is it has been a lost season, and, I was a little nervous about Seattle last week. Fortunately, I will cash my Seattle to win the NFC West futures ticket. But I really thought the Rams were going to go up there and and beat them. I just sat on the sideline, obviously, because of that futures ticket. And fortunately, they ended up winning. And Alex, your better play here, and and I like it, and I might tell it, is going to be on the under. And we've seen the Seattle defense kind of rounding into form. And, hey, they won that game last week with defense. Let's not kid ourselves. The Seattle defense can look average at least, maybe a little better, than they're a Super Bowl contender. So, uh, having said that, it's obviously a bad enough San Fran offense where, you know, if you just think that the San Fran defense can keep them in it, and that's kind of why I'm hesitant to play this side because that San Fran defense, especially last week, really flummoxed Kyler Murray. I, I think the only way I could play this game is how you are, and I'll let you speak more to the under.
2: Yeah, I like this game to go under, divisional game. I couldn't look to the total. Like you were saying, the Niners really haven't given up on the season. Kyle Shanahan always gets them out to play, no matter who the quarterback is. They're down to their third-string quarterback now. But since October, Seattle's 9-3 to the under. And they've really gone more conservative than they were the first couple weeks of the season. We're not really letting Russ air the ball out, and rightfully so. He had a couple bad games with several interceptions. Um, Weeks one through nine, Seattle passed on first and second now 59% of the time. Since week 10, that has dropped to 52.5%. So they're just being more conservative. They have a good ground game, so I'm not surprised that they're running the ball more and controlling the game. And With Dunlap, that was a really big acquisition. They seem to be playing a lot better on defense since that trade. Jamal Adams back. He's been playing really well. Kittle's back for San Francisco, which is a little worrisome, but he's also not really playing the full game. I don't expect him to play as much this week either. Last week, he only played 60% of the snaps. Also, last week, they lost IUC, one of their best receivers left. We already know Debo Samuel. He's on the IR. And Trent Williams is out. He's the number one rated tackle according to Pro Football Focus. So it's really tough for a third-string quarterback not having your left tackle and the best tackle in the NFL. I could see San Francisco leaning on their run game as well and Seattle doing the same. So yeah, I think this is just going to be a a low-scoring game, close game potentially, but Seattle ultimately gets the win and it's going to go under the total. They're both going to be running the ball a lot here.
1: All right, let's keep things moving. With the Las Vegas Raiders heading to the Mile High City, laying two in the hook on the highway, total of 51 here. Uh, I'm not going to have much here. Two teams that aren't, are out of it. Raiders, you know, if you had to talk me into a side, you could look at the Raiders as a little bit of a dream crusher spot, having been eliminated from the playoffs in such a stunning fashion last week by the Dolphins and Gruden with the field goal, which I thought was the right play. He took a lot of time off and the, you know, cover two defense failed the Raiders and the penalty. It was just a mess. So whereas Denver's been playing meaningless games for a while now, but uh, I'm not going to really look at this game at all. And if if the game didn't happen, I wouldn't care.
2: (laughs) Yeah, this is a game I, I really don't want anything to do with. Like, you can't back Drew Locke in any spots. Even though I know you're you're prone to to take the Broncos here, yeah, big I'm game fucking off with the Broncos. Yeah. It? It's time to pack it in. Yes. Something interesting I did see was did you see John Gruden's win percentage? What, how, it's like, how it's like? one of the one of the worst with the Raiders, and it's it was like worse than Jack Del Rio and Tom Gabel. The, the Gable. best thing
1: about that you're saying career or just this stint?
2: This stint with the Raiders.
1: Yeah, you know I, I, what? He hasn't had a winning season, right? No, and, and I it's, mean, it's, granted,
2: it's this is third year. This is year three, so I, I think.
1: I He's think got year seven years left.
2: Is,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right,
2: exactly. I think this is really where. His, you know, culture and and team really gets to be instituted year four and on. But with that being said, the defense is just so bad. I assume they're going to be drafting for defense next year. The offense looks pretty solid. They have several pieces, but, yeah, I just I don't know. Is, is John Gruden one of the more overrated coaches? I'm sure he's a cool, real cool guy, a guy you want to drink a beer with, but
1: I
0: just don't,
2: <laughs> I just don't see it.
1: Yeah, is is almost saying is he more hype than and media darling than anything else?
2: Exactly. You know, I mean, he's a real, real cool guy, good players coach, but just personnel wise and scheme wise, they're just not that great of a team. After they got off to a hot start, they looked terrible.
1: One last intriguing game in the late window before we get to the Sunday nighter. It's the Arizona Cardinals traveling west to take on the L.A. Rams. Arizona, three-and-a-half-point road shock. Of course, Jared Goff is not going to play. A total of 40 and a half as a result of the suppressed total. Also kicking in. Uh, you know, on the one hand, you could look at it and say, you know, talking about Dream Crushers, what was the – what was the – what could the week have been like for the Rams, knowing that John Wolford is going to be the starting quarterback? I'll, be, I'll just come straight up and tell you. I didn't know who that was a week ago, so – Um you know, you have that angle to look at. But Alex, like, you're the Cardinals guy and they just looked lifeless last week. It's a game they needed. And now all of a sudden they're the ones that need the Bears to lose. Now granted the Bears are playing the Packers, but we talk about teams that could choke and I think maybe Cleveland could even though it's a backup quarterback, it's Sean McVay, it's the a Rams team that still needs to win to make the playoffs. I'm thinking Arizona could be the most, you know, the, the the favorite most ripe for an upset. I'm not saying I'm going to take the Rams, but I certainly don't want Arizona here. I don't like the way they're trending at all. They had that long losing streak back before the Giants game. And then the Giants game, let's be honest, like, Dale Jones was just coming back. He didn't really look like he was himself coming back from that injury. They barely survived against the Eagles, who, if they had another 30 seconds, might have been able to go in and, score that touchdown and and then they would have gone for two and tried to win the game there and then as we talked about last week against san francisco arizona didn't look good and lost that one not like in the way kyler murray and the boys are trending i think it's rams or pass
2: no i completely agree that was a gutless performance last week cliff kingsbury down the stretch is just not a good coach for some reason this has been going on since his Texas Tech days, where he had fucking Patrick Mahomes, and this guy still can't yeah. win
1: games okay, towards the, the thing. end of the season. He had, Pat, he had Patrick Mahomes against Big 12 defenses, not the NFL. Right. No, he should be putting up 100
2: points. Now he has Kyler Murray, who's a little banged up, but I, I saw Kyler Murray earlier this week say that he's fine, the leg will have... No impact, but I still think that shoulder's been bothering him too. You, you don't see him quite run as much as he was at the beginning of the season. Yeah, this has to be Ramsar pass. I I can't back Cliff Kingsbury in a in a meaningful game, and this line is indicative of that. Like at three and a half against the backup quarterback, you think this would stretch to like six, but doesn't seem to be budging much, which speaks volumes to
1: yeah. And actually, where we're seeing. The juice minus a dollar fifteen, it looks like on the Rams. Well, on the Rams, sign is yeah. be trending towards three,
2: <laughs> right? Which is insane. That a healthy Cardinals team in a in a pivotal game. And I think Cooper Cup just
1: went on the COVID list for the Rams. Yeah,
2: yeah, I don't think Cup's going to play either. Which it just screams take Arizona, which is why I'm not going to do that because right. I've gotten burned so many times on the Cardinals, and I'm done. I'm done with them. Cliff Kingsbury, we're done. We're breaking up. We're
1: breaking up. That least, to, uh, I think the uh,
2: Cardinals come, come playoffs, is a, they'll be a good team to fade.
1: Yeah, which, by the way, I know that obviously the Saints are trying to chase down the Packers, but you know, if this, it's not a bad consolation prize, I don't think, if you're that two-seed and you're getting the Bears or – I know the Bears have been a little bit better, but the Bears and the Cardinals, like it, it, pretty clear dip there. At, from that uh you know cuz the 5-6 if we're saying Goff's back for the Rams in the playoffs if they were to get it you know and then and then obviously Tampa like whoever's that two seed is going to be a pretty heavy favorite in wild card weekend in the NFC
2: yeah at home against either one of those teams but also Goff I don't I don't know how rested or how healthy he'll yeah, be because broken some on, on his throwing hand I I don't know how quick that recovery is. I can't imagine it being two weeks.
1: So we'll have to keep an eye on things. uh, But, again, I just think this is purely a fate of Arizona. And and, and their form, really, most of the second half of the season has been pretty suspect. Let's wrap things up with Sunday Night Football. The Washington football team traveling up the uh, I-95 to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Washington is a one-point favorite at Lincoln Financial Field, total of 43.5. Alex, I'm an Eagles fan. I know how these things work They managed to never make sense, and here's where they need to lose. And, and they're only a one-point dog. I think this game opened Philly was a favorite. Like, just weird vibes here with this line. It would be very NFC East-esque if the game – if the division is decided by another team losing and not that team just winning the game, which is what we have here – Either Washington's going to win and be the champs or they're going to lose and the winner earlier in the day between Dallas and the Giants will be the NFC East champ. It looks like Alex Smith is going to be able to take the field. So, you know, emotionally it could be a great story to see him go on the road and win the division after everything he's been through and Ron Rivera and yada, yada, yada. But, again, it just just feels like very NFC East-esque for another team when it looks like they're in a driver's seat to flounder and the division be clinched again, as I said, by another team losing. I don't know what I can do here other than just maybe as an Eagles fan, I would bet them hope that they lose. And either I got a winning ticket or a top five draft pick. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like that logic. I, I like Washington to win here. This is mainly a, a fate of the Eagles defense. It, They have several injuries, and I'm not sure that these guys are going to suit up. It's really hard to tell what their motivation is. Obviously, they want to knock out a division rival, but are guys like Fletcher Cox and Barnett, are they going to play just because they want to play? I I
1: will remind you that the big problem for the Eagles last week was the secondary against the Dallas receivers, and we don't know if Terry McLaurin is going to suit up for the football team.
2: No, it looks like he's not. He he hasn't participated in individual drills all week. He's been working with the training staff. But I still don't know if that's that huge of a drop-off with how bad the secondary is. They, sure. they give up 243 yards per game, which is 21st in the NFL. But over their last three, they've allowed 349 yards passing per game, which is dead last. If Washington's inept offense can – You know, if they're going to do anything, it's going to be against this secondary. Outside of Slay, I I don't even know half those guys, uh, practice squad guys. I don't even know who they are. This is more a bet on Washington, just solely on that defense. It's just such a strong unit. It's one of the stronger front sevens in the NFL. And you're going up against a rookie quarterback. I think Hurts is going to be probably trying to do a little too much. We saw that last week against mm-hmm. Dallas, and that that's a bad Dallas defense. He had two interceptions and a fumble lost. He was sacked three times. Against a Dallas defense, that really doesn't generate all that much pressure. You're going up against a Washington front that averages 2.9 sacks per game. And Chase Young, he's looking like defensive rookie of the year. He's been an absolute man amongst boys out there really just shows what a good pick that is and then you have sweat on the opposite side i think the defense will really cause havoc and get after hurts which will ultimately probably cause several turnovers and short Mm -hmm. fields and that really helps a washington offense that just isn't very good especially without McLaurin. McLaurin's easily the best weapon if the if cox can't go the the front will open up a little bit, and then yeah. Washington probably lean on that run game with Antonio Gibson, and then you have McKissick out of the backfield. I don't think the McLaurin loss is that big because I think they have enough weapons to exploit a really bad secondary. So I'm probably going to play Washington here, but I'm, I'm in a weird spot because I'm holding a ticket on Washington to win the division at 11-1, to and then I have Giants at 7-1. to so if the Giants win, then I'm, I'm in a great spot come Sunday night. I don't even know if I need to bet this game necessarily. But
1: right, standalone
2: <laughs> game, you know, I probably have to, right? There's no such
1: there's a thing as too much action.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think I would probably look to some player props. Maybe a, if Fletcher Cox can go, maybe look at Antonio Gibson rushing yards. I, I really think he anchors that whole front seven. I don't know if he's going to be able to go. He didn't play last week.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, the veterans, he, he they certainly missed him on that D-line, and uh, obviously the veterans for the Eagles, uh, they're very, very veteran-heavy roster, uh, and so you do wonder if they don't just opt to sit a few guys out. Jalen Mills got put on the COVID list today for the Eagles in the secondary, so uh, certainly a lot of things lining up for Washington here. Uh, as I said, the one thing that just makes me a little hesitant is just the way this division has gone. The minute we think we have no, a handle on it, we don't.
2: No, absolutely. And being from the D.C. area, I know exactly how these guys... There's got
1: to be some nerves, right? People thinking they're gonna <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, this This is a game that they they should win, and they should win a division, but it never goes that way for Washington sports, so...
1: Hey, Alex, I had a lot of fun uh, looking forward to doing more throughout 2021. Uh, always happy that uh, we formed this friendship through uh, Blue Wire and doing this podcast. Enjoy your night. And, uh, hey, we'll be talking soon. So, again, Happy New Year to you, my, my man. Yeah, you too. It's been great. Happy New Year. I'll uh, talk to you later. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. Find me and all my picks at UndercoverGreg on Twitter. Find Alex managing our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. And his personal account is at Alex underscore up seven. Enjoy NFL Week 17. Happy New Year to all. And, of course, please play responsibly.